Hey everyone, welcome back to Life on Side B, where we explore the joy, beauty, and challenges of living according to the traditional sexual ethic as LGBT and same-sex attracted Christians. Life on Side B is a ministry of posture shift, which is a missiological teaching to enhance LGBT inclusion and relational care inside the evangelical church. You can learn more about Posture Shift at postureshift.com, as well as learning more about their resource, Guiding Families of LGBT Loved Ones, at guidingfamilies.com. Today, we are doing a special episode looking back at the coronavirus about literally almost exactly a year ago, we released our episode Side B on Life During Corona, where we looked from the beginning of this pandemic what it looked like to be Side B during the pandemic. Now we're looking back over the past year. We have Becca, Ashley, our, our co-host team, as well as David uh, Gill and Melinda Malone return back to talk with us. And we look back on this past year and what we've learned and what we look forward to going forward. Um, as we go into this episode, though, we do want to honor the more than 560,000 people that have died in the United States from the coronavirus, as well as the two more than 2,800,000, and that number is counting even higher, of people worldwide that have died from this virus. This is a serious issue, um, and we want and we hope that this episode can be honoring um, as we look back over the difficulty of this past year and also as we look forward to the hope of what is in the future. Um, so we just wanna, we want to recognize that and honor those who have died before we get into the episode. The last announcement before we go in is we have a live episode coming up. The co-hosts are going to have a discussion on the sides terminology. Side A, side B, side Y, side X. Is this conversation, like, are these terms really the best way to describe this conversation? Is there a better way? What do we do about these terminologies? We're gonna have this conversation live. We would love for you to be there. So um, in the show notes of this episode, as well as probably anywhere on our social media, you will see a link to a Google form to fill out and register for um, that live episode. And we would love, love to have you there. Um, please come, join, listen, give your thoughts, give your questions live. It will be a whole lot of fun. So we hope to see you there. That episode will be on April 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. So put that on your calendars. We hope to see you there. And with that, we get to introduce the episode in a very fun way. I've never gotten to do this because we're going to be referencing back to the episode from last year, which if you haven't listened to it, would be good to listen to it beforehand. But in case you haven't, I've always wanted to do a like last time on Life on Side B, but we're not a narrative episode. We're not like, we're not a narrative podcast. I don't get to do that. Now I get to. So I put together a small little clip thing <laughs> showing what we talked about a year ago. And so now I get to do a last time on life, well not last time, but previously on Life on Side B. So with that, let's head into the episode. Hey everyone, this is Josh, and welcome to, well, a special episode of Life on Side B. What does it look like to be Side B during a pandemic? 
we are um, surviving. I'm definitely not keeping all of the balls juggled in the air right now, but most of that is because I'm trying to figure out how to teach 100 10th and 11th graders online um, and also homeschool my kindergartner and first grader. Me and my husband work in the restaurant business, so basically my husband's pretty much, you know, laid off. I guess that's what you would consider laid off. Like he has jobs, but he can't go to them or get paid. And servers, we've been cut down to the bare minimum. And so it's kind of anxiety inducing a bit. So just kind of have this very unknown of, I don't know how long this is gonna last. I'm kind of just trying to think about it like day by day or like maybe week by week is but I think like what's gonna happen in two months or three months or six months. Like that's where my anxiety probably would go into overdrive. Um, a lot of the anxiety now is still unknowns for the future, um, that I had a potential career shift um, that was on the horizon for beginning this summer, and that has vaporized because of economic issues. But one of the other things that this is going to bring about is like a huge crisis on loneliness. As a hardcore extrovert, I am not doing well. Well, I tend to be kind of high anxiety anyway, so this has done nothing to help my mental health. So at least as an extrovert, I would say that it, it's making life much more challenging. So at this point, I'm being so grateful for our online community. I think one thing the Side online community has done is really built some consistent, strong presences in one another's lives. And I think that we are no less there for one another than we ever were, in a sense. Yeah, one thing that I think God's been laying on my heart lately is the idea that every need is an opportunity for love. And it's actually need that brings us together. When this posts, I'll know more about it the general situation of what's going on than even I do right now, obviously. But like, even then, unless somebody's listening to this podcast like two years down the road, you really don't know the end of the story, right? So anyone who's listening two years from now, great. You know a lot more about this than we do. Right now, we're, we're staring into the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Ashley, Becca, hello, our wonderful co-hosts. How are you two? And today we are joined by Melinda Malone. Hello. Hello. And David Gill. Hi. Hello. Um, but we are going to be talking today. This episode is going to be released about almost to the day, literally a year since our side B on life during Corona episode was released. I can't believe it's been a year. I think so, it released a year ago today, actually. Today. Actually, oh. that is crazy. <clears throat> yeah. That is insane. So everyone here was on that episode. Um, mm -hmm. And we just want to talk about what is it like a year after Side B on Life During Corona. Um, we're going to talk about all of that fun stuff. The fun thing is, Melinda, I was thinking about this. I think with this episode, you are officially the non-co-host who has been on Life on Side B the most. <laughs> Aw, thank, thank you. So. 
It's always an honor to be asked. I know. So it's great to have you. Our most frequent guest star. Our (laughs) most frequent guest star. Yes. I was calculating it today. I was like, huh, I think what this uh, Melinda is the person who's been on the longest. Anyway, or the most. Uh, That means you can't ask me again for at least a year. (laughs) I mean, there are no rules to this. (laughs) You know, I would always love to talk to you. Thank you. Spread the guest love. Yes. That's true. Um, so to start off, conversation starter, since we're talking about year with Corona, um, would love to hear from everyone. How many of your quarantine resolutions did you actually fulfill? First of all, did anyone have quarantine resolutions? I know people were like, I'm going to like read books. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Did anyone actually have any? (laughs) No. So I went into quarantine from teaching. So the main thing was get my kids through the year <laughs> by any means necessary. Yep. So uh, that was it. And yes, they all survived the year. Yeah. So. Survival yeah. was my goal with teaching. So absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ashley, did you have any? So I had one. It was like to continue working out even though I couldn't go to the gym. And I was until I got too nauseous to do it. Mm. <laughs> You know, pregnancy does. And I'm like, these nope, things. it does. Well, because I think we said in the last episode that you and I did that it must have been right around the time we were recording this that you actually were pregnant. Got pregnant somewhere around there. Yeah, I oh. think at this point I didn't know so, I was pregnant yet. You I were pregnant. You were. Yeah. I wasn't yet. Um, I was probably about to get pregnant. I found out like <laughs> late in late April that it was around now okay. fun always fun yeah i think i had a similar like resolution i think mine was i i want i wanted to be one of those people that had like a book resolution i'm gonna read like seven books but i knew that that was never gonna happen yeah. i'm gonna learn like... a foreign language <laughs> <laughs> but really nobody knew how long it was gonna last it's so true. If yeah. we had resolutions, they would have been like, about. in the next few weeks until this passes over, yep. yeah. I'll do a little bit more of this. Yeah. But well, nobody planned on it. Everybody was like, how are we going to make it to Easter? Yeah. How are we going to do this for two months? Right. Well, and, right. you know, the, th- the funny thing is, is what got me thinking of doing this episode was, David, actually something you said in um the original episode where you the were original like episode. you know if you're listening a year from now two years from now you have more context of what's going on but all of us we're just sitting here in the dark and i was like oh that's really fascinating and that's actually <laughs> what got me into that because it's right like as melinda said we had no idea what was going on no idea no idea no. at all yeah. yeah, I mean, so to kind of get into a little bit more of this, and that was part of the thing that we said made it stressful. Uh-huh. It, yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. Because I still remember, I still remember the first time someone said, "There's a possibility there will no be no big live events till 2021," and we were like, yeah. "What?" what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think it was actually, I saw that on the Instagram. The first person who I saw say something to that effect was Nadia Boltz Weber on mm-hmm. her Instagram. And it was like this panic moment. I was mm-hmm. like, you mean this isn't just going to be like a month? No. Right. 
I, Has anybody been getting the memories on Facebook from a year ago when quarantine yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. started? Mm-hmm. I was counting hilarious. down the days on it. It was like yeah. Corona Day 7, and it was what the kids mm-hmm. were doing or what we were doing in class. And I lost mm-hmm. count somewhere. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, I mean, like with this, what has the last year been for you since recording the episode? Like, and especially one of the things is like, what does your life look like now compared to what you thought it was going to look like (laughs) a year ago? Because I know those are two very things. David, would you like to start us off? What are some of your thoughts? I can, I can start us off. That's fine. Oof. Um... So for me, I have a complicated relationship with food. And so my hope was to get a handle on um, stress eating. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to do that because I will be working from home and I won't have my super stressful boss looking over my shoulder every five seconds. And there certainly was the potential for that, but that is not how that played out at all. Um, but it hasn't all been bad because like, I, I didn't find myself more depressed because my boss was looking over my shoulder all the time. So working from home afforded me some distance, which was lovely. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a mix, but like, I'm an extrovert. It's been a really hard year. Like if we've got any, I'm sure we have Myers-Briggs fans. I'm an ENFJ, and I am as extroverted as the scale will allow. Like, this surprises no one, of course, but this is where I'm at. And so this this has been a soul-crushing year. Like, yeah. soul-crushing. I've changed churches. I've gained 15 pounds. Like, you know, yeah. that's sort of, that's how things have changed. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Well, and, you know, speaking of changes, Becca, I was listening to the episode. I gave and I remember in it, you, if it makes you feel better. What did you say, Ashley? Wait. <laughs> she, said, I she said, I gained 45 or however many, if it makes... <laughs> yeah. Again, everything she says, parentheses, baby. Baby. Right, right. <laughs> Everything in this conversation, yeah, we were talking about this. Everything for Ashley in this conversation will be like COVID slash baby. Baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Big parentheses. Yeah. No, um, COVID year for her in a completely different way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and so Becca, I remember in the original episode, you talked about a potential job that had you felt had almost I become not possible. Reason. Yes. Right? Yes. And then I and then obviously moved with, on. Yes. And then obviously we learned that it hadn't necessarily moved on. Now you're in revoice. So yeah. would you like to share what your that, whole thing with the last year? That been? was that was interesting um to go back and listen to because this time last year was not only um teaching my two from home, but I had like 110 students that I was teaching online at the time. And we had been talking for months about the possibility of my 
transitioning over to working for Revoice full-time in the summer. So I was contemplating all the just emotional things of I'm leaving a career in the middle of a career. And then like I had told work that I was like 95% going to be leaving and then COVID hit and it was, well, nobody's going to be giving money to nonprofits. Who knows what the next few months are going to look like? You can't start a new job at a nonprofit at the beginning of a global pandemic. Right. So we put a hold on everything. Um, but I'd already told my work that I was leaving and <laughs> it's kind of like, sorry. So it's one of those sink or swim moments that I think the Lord was um, reminding me that he is in charge and I am not. And it was, I told you to do this, do it kind of thing. And so he, he took my, my safety net out from under me of teaching and said, nope, you're doing this. And um, miraculously, really, I think, has provided that people have continued to be just over the top generous and have supported in a way that says we believe in the work that y'all are doing and it has been um a blessing of a year professionally which this time last year i was terrified that i was going to be like homeless on the street with my kids because i'd quit a job and then wasn't going to be able to have another one then but god provided yeah. so yeah yeah it's scary because i'm like you know obviously i since since we recorded this now, I have left every job I had. <laughs> and I'm a so little you've bit... You've left more than one job. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little bit in that situation where you're now, like, okay, I don't want to be homeless. Yeah. <laughs> but God, you got this. <laughs> so I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. Ashley, with your whole entire COVID parentheses baby situation... What has it been like for you in this year? Yeah, how I expected it before I found out I was pregnant. Like I said, we didn't know how long this was going to last. We were very worried about our jobs because restaurants shut down and that's what we were in. Right. And But then again, Louisiana reacted. A southern states reacted a certain way where other states didn't. So they, the very, they, they, in their stubborn willpower, kept us alive and working. So... To an extent, it's like we had high numbers in COVID and all that, but being out of work and whatnot didn't last very long for us. It was We had to develop new systems and masks and gloves and eyewear and everything at first, but, you know, it didn't, it didn't completely take everything from us. Um, it turned out to not be as hard as I expected it to be to an extent, and then... Once I did find out I was pregnant and I definitely was staying away from everybody, it made it different than what I expected any pregnancy that I hoped to have to be, being surrounded by um, different female friends that have already gone through this in my community and different things like that, where I was mostly just stay home, go to work, come home, go to the doctor, home, doctor, work, and that's it. And, you know, so that made it, in and of itself, the pregnancy seemed different. Um, me and my husband thought we couldn't have kids. We had been trying for six years to have a baby. And so when the world shut down and all of a sudden we're pregnant, we're like, God works in mysterious ways. 
because we, <laughs> in the year that seemed like the worst was happening, we were very blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy things came out of this year. And I'm not surprised a baby is one of the things. You put people in their home. And I know this is not your guys' situation, but I knew from the moment we no. said we're sending people home, I said babies will come out of this. <laughs> oh, I was the first one making those jokes. It was like, I, people yes. name their babies yeah. funny things. There's going to be all these all these kids being born around about mm-hmm. December. And there was, when I was in there, the maternity ward was full. Mm-hmm. I know. Everyone naming their kids COVID and Rona. Oh, no. God, I hope. I mean, I hope they didn't, but I know they probably did. There probably, yeah. There probably are. A few. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Melinda, any thoughts on how your year is different than you thought it was going to go? Oh, my. So, uh, <laughs> I've changed jobs as well, and I'm about to change jobs again. Uh, my new job is going to be the office manager for a Carmelite monastery. So it'll be me and 13 little um, Mexican-American nuns. Uh, so that will be my new bubble. <laughs> and sure. that's certainly different from what I was expecting to do next, a year from, from last year. So I had already, it had been planned for years that I would leave my job last June. Kind of like Becca was like, hey, I'd already turned in my resignation and then Corona hit. But I thought I had another job at a different school. So I wasn't looking for a job. But by mid-August, they realized that they were they were actually cutting staff because of the way they were going to have to do things. So there I was in August without a job. Um, and I hadn't worked over the summer because I was out. So I started doing online tutoring, which has been an interesting journey. <laughs> My The most fun part of it was that I got to teach a high school social studies class again, which I haven't done for a very long time. And it's actually, they needed someone to teach social justice. Oh, nice. It's been really fun. Oh, um, yeah. So, but it was also very part-time. Yeah, yeah. So financially it hasn't been the greatest year, but like Becca said, God has provided, I mean, for, for first off, I never had to worry about paying rent because my community is not going to kick me out, right? Um, so that's that's been a huge thing. Also, you know, one of our ministries is hospitality. And that, you know, in the five years that I've been here, every other year we've had guests constantly. You know, everybody from street people to refugees to family members to whatever. And it's just been so quiet this year. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't stopped yet. It won't stop till we all get vaccinated. So um, we're looking at this summer at opening up our hospitality rooms again. But still, mm. Easter is going to be so quiet. And like David, I am a hardcore extrovert. Mm. And even though I'm in this bubble of 14 people, which is right. great and has little kids in it and old folks. And well, I'm one of the old folks, but, uh, you know, it's still it's not. We had to be so careful at the beginning. You know, we weren't even hugging each other, even though we're all in the same bubble, because we knew so little about what was actually spreading the virus and what wasn't, that we were just extremely cautious for a good long time. And San Francisco was one of the most cautious places of all. I mean, we shut down early. We had draconian laws, um, still are pretty tightly controlled. 
And that affected us, even our little tiny church. And I'm going to stop right there so I can start ooing and aahing. <laughs> the baby! Oh, hey, buddy. Hello. hello. Oh, look, your what? podcast debut. I know. <laughs> For all of our listeners, we're, like, we're just admiring um, Ashley's baby. So cute. Um, yeah, one of our patrons sent in a question. Uh, our patron, Shelby. Thank you, Shelby, for sending in this question. Um, which is... Um, has this year changed or brought out a different part of your personality? For example, are you more introverted or extroverted than you used to be? Enjoy different activities more or less? Anyone want to share on that? Go ahead, Melinda. So that's related to the whole extrovert thing is that Mm -hmm. I was, it was a running joke in our community was that I was the only one who was ever disappointed when we had to cancel a meeting because let me be at all (laughs) the meetings, right? Yeah. Until we started having all our meetings on Zoom. Mm. And it's just not the same. You don't get that same energy from watching people on screens. I mean, you get a little bit. It's better than nothing. But it's so tiny compared to the energy you get from being in a room with other people. That even I was like, yep, nope, cancel that one. We don't need to meet this week. Cancel that one. I'll stay home and listen to a podcast. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that is definitely for for even the extrovert of the group to hope to have less time in meetings. Mm-hmm. It's what Zoom has done, because <laughs> our our bodies are just and our minds and our brain our brains we're not meant to be on these screens all this time. It's no. just bad for us in all kinds of ways, and so yeah, that's probably the biggest change is that yeah. and I am voting for canceling meetings. I was honestly thinking about that today. I had to drive an hour to another city for um, a coffee meeting, and I was so willing to. I was like, I'll drive an hour to get coffee with you. That's fair. Sure. Because I don't want another phone call or a Zoom meeting (laughs) if I don't have to. But David, as you mentioned that you're an extrovert as well, uh, anything you'd like to share on that whole thing of things that have been brought out or changed in your personalities through all this? Yeah, so I think... Um, addressing what Melinda just said, I find myself, the part that I do like about Zoom meetings is that when it's supposed to be an hour long, it's actually an hour. I don't have to plan travel time. I don't have to wait for people to be like 15 minutes late. They might be three minutes late. You know, like it's just, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. So that part of it I like. But I think for me, um, it's it's not the same. Like I'm used to having people over to watch movies and it's, it's wonderful to have like a a, a watch party on Amazon prime or on Netflix or something like that, or even to call people up on the phone and, and talk on the phone while we both hit play at the same time. But I'm used to putting like six or seven people in my living room and showing the movies that aren't available on streaming. So like my hospitality has been showing movies that people don't generally own. And that's been really hard because I can't, if I tried to Twitch it, like Twitch stream or something like that, like I'd get shut down for copyright reasons most of the time. So like I haven't done it, but it's like, you know, what I've done instead is I've uploaded rips of them on MP4 
so that other people can access them through a OneDrive account that I have, and then they watch it and we talk on the phone. But like, that's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, as far as personality stuff goes, I think I think it's it's just become so very clear to me in different ways that like I just I need people around. Mm. I need I need varied conversation. I went to I have I'm fully vaccinated. I've got friends who are fully vaccinated, and a couple of us went to. Uh, Amigo Joe's, the Mexican place that I drag everyone who comes to St. Louis to because their margaritas are like liquid sunshine. And we sat and we talked for four hours. And I, I was just, it was glorious. (laughs) I know that sounds like soul crushing to introverts to be in a dinner for four hours necessarily, but I, oh, it was so good. And we just, we had a lovely time. And I, I think the only thing that's actually changed for me is I am less willing to engage in conflict with roommates Mm -hmm. because there's nowhere to go. Like, right. Like there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to be like, well, while you sort that out, I'm going to go sit at a coffee shop. It's like, there's like one coffee shop that I know of that's open right now in St. Louis. So like, I'm sure there's more, but you get what I mean. But yeah, like that's the thing. And that's not, that's not good for me, for my mental health. So. No, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I get that. I 100% get that. Like, I don't think much has changed in my personality, but I have been yeah. telling people, I've been realizing that this is news to me, but not to other people. I think I realized it about the time we released the episode is that I am an extrovert. If you had asked me before the pandemic, I would have said I was more of an introvert. And people, that's been people's reaction. They laugh at me. They laugh at me. They're like, you're not an introvert. I'm like, you in my like- mind such a more self-aware person than that. <laughs> yes. I echo, I echo Becca. I know. I know. I'm thankful that I found it out that before I did the, <laughs> I'm glad I figured it out before the life, like the side B on life during Corona. Cause I think in that, in that episode, I did say I'm an extrovert, but it must've been right then that I made the realization because it was when people started cutting off, like, like mm-hmm. meetups and everything. And I was like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, stop, right. stop. Right. And I had some panic attacks and I was like, dang it. And, and I had then some like, I, I love that. I thought you, you seemed like a much more self-aware person. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. you would think, but no, um, I, I, but it's interesting because then after after we recorded that episode, literally two days after that, my brother Ed and Michelle, who's been on this podcast, and I went and got an Airbnb for two months by ourselves because everyone else in our community was not like there were other people in our community that were not necessarily taking things as serious. So we're like, we're just going to like go get our own place. Our job, Ed and my job paid for uh, a place because... Um, uh, just to keep us safe, because obviously we didn't know what was going on. We, you didn't yeah. know what was happening, and so we did that. And we had a few of those same moments. They were like, you wanted to get in an argument, but you're like, I have nowhere to go. <laughs> so, mm, that's it. Yeah. And it's hard. Um, yeah. Ashley, Becca, anything you want to share on this whole thing of how you might have changed or developed? 
I um, realized just how introverted I am. Like the first three months of the virus, I was like, this is what heaven is going to be like. Like I get to see people on a screen for a little while and then they go away. (laughs) And for like the first three months, it was amazing because like I didn't, I didn't do maternity leave because my kids came to me in foster care. So like I, I got them on a Friday and like went to work Monday. So like we have never had a time to really like have intense time together. And so for those first probably three months, we were together all the time and it was delightful and nobody else was around. But then I really started realizing that it didn't bother me before that people were never around because I was in a classroom. And so all day, every day, my people connecting was just drained out by the time I would finish a school day. So I just, it was okay that I didn't see friends or people very often. But after a while of not being in a classroom, it was like, okay, where are the people? And then I felt like my friends who are stay-at-home moms, who like they just run overflow when they see another adult because there's somebody to talk to. And so that's been, um, I think the best realization for me is understanding what type of relationship and what type of interaction that I do need from people. Because for several months I was like, who needs people? This is amazing. But then once the summer wore on and we were still at home and I didn't get to travel anywhere, that's always been my thing is I like to go all the time and go see people and do stuff and I couldn't go anywhere and I couldn't do anything. And so now when we have socially distanced gatherings around a fire pit or we do whatever, that I'm really taking those things um, as much more valuable that those opportunities that I have to be in person with people mean so much more now because I realize how much I really do need it. So I'm using that people person spending energy time in much more productive and helpful ways than just hanging around. Um, So it ends up being more energizing for me now, which is interesting because used to just being around people was honestly exhausting, but now it's because I'm focusing it and I'm making sure that it's something that's mutually worthwhile. It's a much more energizing and enjoyable experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. But still not even an ambivert. So I I have more energy when I'm around people, but I'm still not an extrovert. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, that I love that. Is this what heaven will be like? Yes. Quarantine. God, <laughs> you get to heaven and God is just like, here's your, I feel like that. I had the all these heaven. books that I actually got to read. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. Gosh, Ashley, anything you would like to share? If you're available. <laughs> my dad, my dad came looking for me. He's like, where are you? Like in the closet. In the closet. Why? In the closet. Like any good LGBT Christian. Yeah. <laughs> David's dying. And I'm like, we, we um, should film an entire episode call? with everybody sitting in their closets. Yes. Hey, why not? And I'm like, great. I'm on a video call and 
I have the baby. He's like, all right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I still remember so, one episode where your dad, where your, where your husband opened up the door while we were recording or something. I think there so, was, yeah. There was one and it was like, what are you doing? Or something. I can't remember. Anyway. Something. Um, yeah. So do you have any thoughts to share on this whole thing? Was it, was it how has, do I think my personality of me have changed? Changed or developed or anything like that through the whole thing? I don't think so. Cause like to an extent I was a very much a homebody to begin with. It was just, and I think like maybe it might've like just over a month before I'd probably gone out with a couple friends for my birthday and that was about it. And that year I planned, I'm like, I'm going to do better with like hanging out with my friends and guess not but other than that i feel like my daily life just being home wasn't much of a difference it's just that the the option was gone Mm, you know it was like i i don't even have the option because before it would be like i'm i'm kind of always at home but like if i ever wanted to get out or do something every so often i could do that and i really couldn't and i think it was more towards the end of the summer where i'm like Okay, I'm an introvert. I enjoy being home. I have finished my shows yep. at this point. You know. Like, that was it. It was about and, August. I was like, I can't do this anymore. But <laughs> And it was like, and no one, I think that was when we, my baby shower was in October. And then we, that was still like a small gathering. But it was like, no, like I really didn't see people. I think it was like the end of August where... And then my sister ended up getting COVID somewhere mid-August. So it was like even, it was just a lot of like back and forth. It was like, maybe, no, meh, no, someone might come, no. And it was just, it was just exhausting just to be like, I wonder when this is going to be different. And I kind of yeah. broke down and freaked out, but that was about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think my personality changed much. Any. <laughs> yeah. Except for my moment of self-realization. Um, nothing really changed in my life, but I, I would say ch- things changed in my circumstances because, um, yeah, cause I, the quarantine was the longest time in seven years I had been in one place before that. The longest I had ever been in one place. Was How long did everyone's quarantine last? Like, cause we're all in different states. Uh, I mean, so Florida was like almost non-existent. Um, Define quarantine. I know. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah. Exactly. California has these different tiers of what's yeah. open and what's closed. Like shelter place. Yeah, us too. Yeah, we've zero, moved up and down lives. through the tiers um, of so what's we. open and what's closed. Yeah. And so, and you, it, you know, when you look at the chart from last April to this April and you look at the COVID spikes. So, for example, yeah. in October, we were allowed to meet outside at a park our church. So, but then the week after that, we weren't because the regulation changed. So we met outside once and then the numbers went up and we had to go back into more restrictive things. So yeah, yeah, my dad works in California. So we've been kind of hearing back and forth a bunch of different things on that. Um, yeah. But I think our like zero um, restaurants are only to go. Businesses were closed. Um, only go out for, you know, minimalness yeah. and, and where they started wearing gloves 
everywhere was probably till maybe May. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be of last year. Yeah. Yes. See, we we have been in and, and out of that. And then we went into like the phases, like you guys. We went into phase one. Phase one was easy, lasted three weeks. Went into phase two, and then everything spiked, and we stayed in phase two for a few mm -hmm. months, several yeah. months. <laughs> And then probably went to phase three. And then he's like, no, 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 backpedals, go back to phase two. No, no, no. We had to shut down bars repeatedly because we kept having spikes in bars. And I think we're back really? to phase no, I'm three. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> oh, every time bars would open up, we'd have outbreaks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Melinda's yeah. faces. <laughs> what are you expecting? Well, I mean, I yeah, can't really say said, anything. Look at bars South have not bars have not right? been open yet. Yeah. Bars have wow. been closed for indoor service this entire time. Yeah. I, outdoor I'm service. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm in San Francisco, which is so blue it's ultraviolet. Um, it's so. <laughs> so bars have my not. My dad's yet. working in California. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he so comes some home things and are like, open. Yeah. yeah. You get to do this? You get to do this? Mm -hmm. But Yeah, no, um, they shut down schools for a freeze when he came back for Valentine's Day. And he goes, they were open? Open? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Our public schools are still closed. They have been closed the entire time, and they're still closed. My friend Nate, my housemate Nate, who works in a public school, will be going back to school for the first time at the end of April. Wow. And, like, yeah. my so, mom went to see my dad in Big Bear last year, I think, in the summer. And she said everywhere they went, they had, like, hand sanitizer for you. Like, here, take it. Uh -huh. You can't go inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then over here, you walk inside somewhere with a mask, and they look at you like you're stupid. Like you're some kind yeah. of weird liberal snowflake. Yeah. I would honestly say, like, for me... So I kind of calculate my own quarantine. Like, when I decided I yeah. was kind of going to interact with people about October because the reason why, and what I mean by that is like before October, I did not see people like yeah. there was, there was just, there was no interactions. And a lot of that dealt with just like my parents are over 70 and I, you know, I was staying with them and my brother has extreme severe asthma. I knew that for me, it was never really a fear about my own health, but more just everyone that I lived with was, <laughs> very very susceptible to having issues with this and i think it was about the time that my um my my brother went down to columbia for the first time finally we were able to get down to columbia because columbia was closed like they were not letting anyone in it, like to the extreme point that before that they had been letting in refugees from venezuela they closed everything no one was allowed in the country in any wow. form um and um he finally went down and that was the moment i kind of started to um just interact in some ways outside, whether like getting lunch with friends out in a park. <laughs> and for me, it was a huge deal in October. And um, then obviously I did my road trip, which um, I which I documented a little bit on the thing. But I think for me, one of the most interesting things of the past year has been, I never have dealt a lot with um, um, culture shock um in my travels i've always been so used to like going in between cultures and countries it's been simple but going traveling like towards the end of the year and the beginning of this year so much in between colombia and the united states 
I would actually get culture shock between the two extreme versions of how they dealt with with coronavirus. Mm. And especially going from Colombia to Florida, which obviously in Florida, it's like coronavirus. It doesn't exist. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> what is this thing? <laughs> what, what are we doing? Um, whereas in Colombia, you wear, the moment you leave your apartment, you have a mask on. Um, you, there, it's now, now in Colombia, it's to the point where it's like, you can pretty much do anything you want as long as you have a mask on. Just pretty much everywhere mask is required. And and there's a little bit of, like, seating, you know, max in places. But beyond that, like, also, Colombia doesn't really have the understanding of inside-outside like we do here. Like, as long as you have a roof over your head, you're considered inside. So, and for us, we would consider that outside. So it's like, they don't really have... The cultural concepts of inside and outside is very different, which makes it different on seating kind of stuff. But... Um, it's, I've actually had a few times where coming back to the United States or going down there where like I would go down and then suddenly I'm having a mask on all the time when I'm outside of my home was like, whoa, okay. All right. Or then I would come back and then I would have been so used to it. And then no one's wearing mask. And I'm like, what's happening? So it was very interesting for me for that whole like related to quarantine kind of stuff has been especially going in between two different cultures and how they deal with it. So the other fun part about Colombian culture, which this is definitely, um, so you know how like every culture deals with how they view the floor very differently. You have the clean version of the floor and the dirty version of the floor. The United States is about in the middle, like hence our 10 second rule, like the floor is dirty, but it can be clean. Like hence we have these random rules that make no sense. Um, and you have Korean culture, which is very um, like clean floor. Colombia is on the opposite. The floor is dirty. There is no ten second rule. There is no nothing. You don't you don't take your shoes off in your own home. Your floor in your house is dirty. You don't do that. You don't walk around in your own home in that way. Um, because of that, Colombia developed this whole system of like a sanitizer for shoes that you had to do before entering every every building. Any building, wow. you had to sanitize your shoes. And they would many times have you lift up your shoes so they could spray the bottom of your shoes. Like, it was, it's a whole thing about how they view the floor. And, yeah. um, and it was the, very ironically, it's the only thing that finally got Colombians to actually think about taking shoes off But when you get to your own home, because they didn't want to track things from the house inside. And I'm like, I've been telling you this for a while. We should do this, but... <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyway. Josh, why is it 10 seconds in Florida? I've always heard like the three second rule. Oh. Go no, 10 five second, second rule. Yeah, I've heard, t- I've heard all the way from five three second rule, 10 second, second rule. 10 yeah. second to. Yeah. We just think the floor is cleaner here, apparently. It's not, but. It's, <laughs> it's not. Sand. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what part of Florida you're in, sand. <laughs> sand. That's the only answer. Uh. Moving into another question is, um, is what are some things that have brought you unexpected joy the past year? And like, what are ways that Christ has become real to you in all of this? Oh my gosh, he's so cute, the baby. I just want to squeeze him. Uh, love it. Um, so anyway, on that note, there you go. The baby. 
the baby is the unexpected joy. <laughs> I just got your <laughs> reference there, Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, here. She's this is, answering this is your question. You hold the baby up to the oh. screen, and I'm like, are we admiring the baby? Which oh, I'm totally for. 18 pounds of this. Yeah. <laughs> Any oh, other thoughts? A, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, everybody else has different answers. I know. Oh, yeah, we don't have babies to show. Um, I think the value of relationships has been the the greatest thing for me that I just flat out took embodied time for granted before this and being able to see um, just how needed that is and to remind myself in some very necessary ways that um, God did not create us to be isolated and alone and islands unto ourselves that we need people even the most independent and introverted of us need to have those embodied relationships and um, really how much I had valued um, meeting with my church on a weekly basis like that that's the thing that I have missed the most is just that rhythm of knowing that there was a, a group of people that I was going to see every week and I was going to get to worship with and not having that um, has just reminded me of how much I need that time um, set aside for, for worship time. Um, but really specifically, and <laughs> it's one of those, like it's totally going to be a mom of the year kind of statement. Um, but I have so enjoyed <laughs> time with my kids um, that having that extended period of time of just getting to watch them play outside and see how they have learned to deal with conflict together because um, they're in first and second grade now and thinking back those are really like the first good solid memories that I have are from about that time period and so like thinking through that this year are going to be part of some of the really first good solid memories they have um, that I took that very intentionally of what are we going to do to make sure that these are good first memories for them to have. And so, um, just making sure that they spent time outside and that we didn't fight over schoolwork. It was like, you know, if they don't want to do it, we'll get them caught up They're You know, they're five and six, we'll get there. And just reminding myself that we're not trying to compete against anybody else that, it's all, we're all in the same place together and it's going to be fine. And I need to just turn off my ADHD, anxiety, perfectionism when it comes to schoolwork and just let them be and getting to watch them so intensely when I've not really had that chance, um, has been a delight. That's been one of the best parts of it. I love that. David, Melinda, anything you two would like to share? Well, as much as I like to hate on Zoom, I see friends across the country more often now than if I had to travel to see them. Yeah. Um, yes. Case in point, Darren Calhoun. I, <laughs> he's on every form of media all the time. And so, and I've also been Zooming into his church on Sunday mornings oh, cool. because Chicago time is 8.30. My church meets in the afternoon. So they once they went on on zoom i could and not just his, i've landed at his church more than anybody's but i've been able to visit other people's churches around yeah. the country 
and just partly because my church is very small and mostly white, it's been really cool to be able to visit more diverse churches and, you know, and my old African-American church in DC and just, I, so I wish I could travel to those places, but since I can't, at least I can see them. I even see my son's face. My son lives outside DC. I see my son's face more often than I used to <laughs> because I, you know, we FaceTime or, wow. you know, Zoom or something instead of just talk on the phone because mm -hmm. I learned how to do that. Right. I mean, I think for older folks learning all of this Zoom and Google Classroom and all these new tech skills that we had to for work or for whatever really has paid off in our families to some extent because now I have all these apps <laughs> that I wouldn't have had otherwise and I know how to use them. And so, yeah, just being in touch with friends that I couldn't travel to see um, has been has been a real joy. Yeah. Um, I also moved during the quarantine and I moved from the house without a backyard to the house with a backyard. Ooh. So that was a big plus. And just having flowers around has been a huge source of joy. Um, yeah. And spending more time in the backyard because that's the only place, you know, once we did start having people, local people visit, to, you know, we sit six feet apart out in the backyard to chat. Yes. So yeah. That's been a thing too. Absolutely. Yep. Hmm. Unexpected joys. Hmm. Or ways Christ that has become real yeah. to you in this time you know it it was interesting um a couple of things uh mostly related to revoice 2020 um first of all i like five weeks before the conference happened i still didn't have anything pulled together because there were so many question marks um for what it would look like so i i met with nate and he was like sure pull a team together record the music in advance surprise it wasn't live no anyway no one was surprised but it was a lot of fun to get people together that I hadn't made music with in almost a year. Um, the lady who played piano this year hadn't played piano for a revoice since the last night of 2018, but she's someone that I worked with on worship teams for the better part of 10 years. And it was just really nice to get to make music with her again, in addition to everyone else and to like rehearse in a sanctuary with a piano. And then to be invited to go over. So the, I don't know that everyone that listens to the podcast would begin to know this because I don't know who knows this or who doesn't. But um, where we recorded was actually someone's apartment, uh, the music part. Obviously, mm -hmm. we did an Airbnb for the conference itself, yeah. but the music was recorded at a, at a friend of mine's apartment who's a very dear friend of mine who's a music director with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra and just has it looks like a movie set. Like I just, I love his apartment. He's very gracious, but it was just, he was very giving to like, let us, like he showed us Christ. Like mm -hmm. we ordered lunch and he provided water and like, he listened to the music from a different room so that he wouldn't be underfoot, but he wasn't like, Oh my gosh, what if I get sick? He was like, come over. And I was like, yes. So that was nice. And then I wasn't sure what it would be like to have canned music played at different points in the, I didn't know what that would be like for people. But what I heard back afterwards was that people were very touched by the liturgy and touched by the music 
And it really, like, I didn't think staring at a camera doing the liturgy live would actually, like, feel like I was actually talking to anyone. But it did. Um, because I would sit there during the other sessions and, like, read the chat channel, you know, on the, on the broadcast. But it was like, I really felt like I was looking into the eyes of people, even though I was just staring at a, at a camera. And it was just like, this is good. It was just, I, I didn't expect that. I thought it would feel very mechanical or cold and it just didn't it was like no we're really here and it helped there were people in the house when we were you know doing the airbnb thing but like it just i didn't expect that and it was really lovely to like see people go yeah i just i can't wait for this to be in person again yeah it was like yeah yeah me yeah, i've too. always had that feeling that like worship like that in one central place was more about the people that were being there, but that experience really did help me see and understand mm -hmm. just that supernatural unifying power of the Holy spirit, that even though we weren't all in the same room, I, it felt full because I knew that there were so many people that were participating wherever they happened to be, um, that it really did, my spirit was full, like we were in a room all together because yes. we were doing the same thing at the same time for the same God. And it was, it was very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention that came out of Revoice last year that was an unexpected joy is that after the conference, they had sort of regional caucuses kind of get together, hook people yeah. up. And I ended up, starting to meet with these three other women um, who are roughly in the Bay Area, but if you had to drive from the farthest person this way's house, to the, it'd be like two hours. Yeah. So there's no way that we would meet weekly or every other week if we had to drive to see each other. Right. But we've been meeting all year and mm, it's just oh gone on. And yeah. it's we're very, very different. We go from one who just turned 17 to one who's about to turn 60 uh, wow. and we're in different areas and different politics. But because of Revoice, Chris and Becca just kind of hooked people up together. And yeah. uh, it's been a That's real really joy cool. getting to know these other women um, that I would never would never have met with on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's been a joy too. So not only seeing old friends, but meeting new friends. Meeting yes. my friends, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's been really cool. Revoice was obviously very sad that it wasn't in person, but yet so cool to know that there were more people that interacted than ever would have in, if we had done it in person and knowing that there were like more than, Becca, how many people did ultimately connect? Do, do, we, do, we, do you have a number on that? Oh, it ended up, it was, I don't remember now. I guess. I, I know it was like I, over a thousand, right? Well, we maxed out, I think at between 15 and 1700, we ended up having registered wow. um, that it, it doubled almost what it had been in person the year before. Yeah. And there yeah. ended up, we had people from like 40 different countries and almost every state in America. So it mm -hmm. was. Yeah. 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 It's the because of so many people so that wouldn't broader. have been able to go in the exactly. first place because of finances. Right. Yeah. Right it actually blessed them mm -hmm. that it ended up being virtual because they were able to attend and able to yeah. hear things that 
to a certain extent, we're only to the privileged few that can afford that travel. Yeah. Well, and for so many people that were afraid, like they would never come because yeah. they haven't hardly, you know, we heard from people, I've hardly admitted to myself that this is something that I need to work through. I've never told another person how I feel about this. And we had right. four or five people like that, that the only reason that they were even starting to deal with and to process their own walk with their sexuality was because they had a safe, anonymous place to be able to come. And when they saw in the chat how many other people there were that were in the exact same place as them, um, it was amazing. Like we were just, we got emails for a couple of weeks afterwards of people saying, I finally worked up the courage. Do you have people that are in X, Y, and Z area? Cause I'd love to get together and talk with people. And they'd never had any sort of community at all to deal with this situation. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. huge, huge blessing all and the way around to be able to do that. I would be very fascinated. I don't know if there's any, I don't know if these two things are connected or maybe I'm just becoming more aware of them of like through all of these ways that I feel to see all of these different spaces for different people like that are, you know, revoice, you know, being digital this year and, and all of these different kind of stuff. And I've also been realizing just how many side B celibate LGBT Christians there actually are that are not even like networked, quote unquote. Yeah. Like they're just there all over and may not be on social media, may not be in the groups that we normally think of and all this stuff. And I feel like in many ways I've gotten to see a little bit of how wide that actually is. Yeah. Um, and in many ways seeing how much the, like there are many more than I ever actually thought there were yeah. of, of um, people in our community. So I know we're kind of coming up to the end of, you know, this talk. So, um, I at least wanted to get to um, one more question, which was, do you think that there are anyways, now looking back after a year, you know, in that last, in the episode a year ago, we talked a little bit about just some of the ways we felt like the pandemic was going to like affect, you know, LGBT Christians lives, especially celibate LGBT Christians lives. We talked about touch. We talked about the lack of community, like all these different kinds of things. Now with a year's perspective, do you believe that there are any ways that the pandemic uniquely affected queer or celibate individuals? And even as, I mean, we're still not out of COVID. This is still going on. Yeah. We cannot talk as if it's, it's just gone. <laughs> it's not. Um, but with a year's perspective and as we move forward, what are your thoughts on that looking back on the year as well as kind of as we move forward into this new situation with vaccines and moving towards whatever comes next? Would anyone have any thoughts you'd like to share? If I could give myself some advice, yeah. I would have said, I would say to myself a year ago, don't be afraid to ask some people to actually be in their bubble yeah. because I have a reputation, not just here, but in St. Louis of sort of being the guy who sees everybody, which got me excluded from some people's bubbles. And so I ended up not being really in one very much. So I would tell myself, like, make a list of top four or five people, work your way down the list and ask, you know, if you get a no from one group, go to a different group and, and, and try to shop that around. Because, like, the touch thing has been hard this year, like, a lot. Like, like Ashley said that, 
that she was like, oh, maybe I'll go see more people this year. No. And it's like, well, maybe I'm going to actually like incorporate more touch into my life and the way I relate to my friends. Nope. Didn't happen. So that's probably the, the piece of advice I would have given to myself. It's really good. Any other thoughts? Yeah, when I re-listened to the last episode, I was saying, we're already touch starved. We should be able to handle this. Like, we have some tips for other people about how to do yeah. that. But since most of our tips were make a point of prioritizing that with safe people, you know, that's exactly what David said, is that safe people, who are your safe people? And I think it hit us so fast that a lot of, lot of folks weren't able to find safe people before nobody was safe. Yeah. And I think that's true of all people who live alone but i think there are more taboos around touch and about who are your safe people for celibate gay christians there isn't the kind of permission to ask for that kind of thing um if you're gay because people look at you with different suspicion you know it's like like i have friends who are afraid to come out because they don't want their same-sex friends to look at them differently they're afraid that because of homophobia in the in their community, that if they come out to their same sex friends, there'll be an automatic wall there, an automatic suspicion there that they just don't want to have to deal with because it's hard enough to get a hug as it is. It's true. I think that that is true of a lot of, especially more conservative church communities. Um, and I think just the realization of how isolated we are and how many, I shouldn't say we, because I'm very privileged in that I have a whole different situation, but for a lot of folks who are celibate gay Christians, they are in situations where they literally have no one safe to get a hug from. And that was true before COVID. And once COVID hit and everybody else was looking around at who are my safe people, it just drove home that we have no safe people. And I think that's really tragic. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's like that's been something that for me, I think one of the ways I've seen this so much affect inside B people. I mean, building on even just everything you two have said, has been as churches have reopened, you know, and tried to find ways to reopen, and they will split people, distance people by family groups, and. Like, thankfully, at times, I will go to church with other people. But the times I haven't, you become separated by sometimes even 10 feet from another group. And it's just like you sitting by yourself and everyone else is in groups. And you're like, cool, fun. This is, you know, and you go to church. Like, you go to church to worship God. But obviously, it's to worship God in community. Like, it's to be there as a body of Christ, which, and you understand, and you're like, you're thankful that churches are taking precautions because some churches don't. And, like, um, but trying to find a way of how to incorporate that where it's just like you just see families, families, single person or celibate or however. Um, I, I think that's been one of the biggest challenges I've seen in going to church, even. Well, and something I've been very grateful for is that at my church, there are sort of like pods of four or five chairs set up so that people who are in family groups can whatever. But like, I'm friends with a lot of seminary students still. And like, a lot of them had COVID already. So like, they're done. So like, 
I sit next to them and we've all got masks on because we're indoors, but like I, I get to go and sit next to people at my church. So I'm, I'm really lucky on that one because I just, I've heard about like seating individual and I think there's wisdom in that, but woof, I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. That's rough. Yeah. Well, and at some point, like without being completely irresponsible, you have to remember that there are times that we may need to take risks in order to care for people. And I mean, when you read like stories of the plague in medieval times, that it was Christians who stayed to take care of the sick and to bury the dead. And when you see people on Twitter talking about the fact that it's been 382 days since they've experienced another human being's touch because they live alone and they're working remotely and they're single and they're somehow around people that are taking it that seriously that it's like, how, how can we make sure that people like that are interacting? Like, if you know somebody that's taking it so seriously that they are staying in their apartment having groceries delivered, can you be tested and quarantined for 10 days and make that sacrifice of your social life or whatever in order to be able to go to that person's house and say, I would like to spend the evening with you. Can I please just give you a hug because I know how starved you are for it. And I have taken the precautions to ensure that you are safe or, you know, asking them, what can I do to make sure that you have what you need emotionally and mentally? Um, just really being more intentional about taking care of other people. Um, you know, I'm in Tennessee, and so it's really a mixed bag of how people have responded to um, quarantine. But there are those who are still convinced that COVID doesn't exist, that it's all a big conspiracy. And then I have friends that have left their house maybe a handful of times to go to doctor's appointments in the last year. So it's, it's one extreme and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I've really tried to think on and to think about is my friends that are living alone or even just people I interact with on social media of being able to connect with them in ways to let them know that they are not alone. I mean, even just sending mm-hmm. flowers to somebody that we know has been, um, at their home because of you know, immune issues that they have not been able to leave their house in a year. What are ways that we've been able to connect with them? Um, So really not even so much about us because, I mean, we're all relatively healthy and it's not something that, you know, we've been wise and we've taken precautions, but um, just trying to think of ways to really take care of other people and to show that hospitality and to try to meet needs in ways um, that are not irresponsible, but at the same time have a, an adequate amount, I would say of personal risk in order to ensure that people are healthy and are safe and are loved. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. Ashley, any thoughts you want to share? I know you're hanging out with the baby he's just talkative as well love it Um, you know he is one of the co-hosts he's welcome to share okay (laughs) 
And he did. Um, He's a I mascot. Think, and it, yes. Mascot. Oh, if not to not to put everything lightly or that everything that people have been through, like Becky even said, people going over you without having touched anyone at all, that's a lot. But I think it also has gone to show us that we are more resilient than we even expected ourselves to be or thought we mm-hmm. could be. Because yeah. like we said at the beginning of the year, we're like, I don't know if I can handle two months of this. And here we are going at a year and it's like, it was hard. Yeah. But we're we're here we're we're okay and it, after a few months it was it was almost normal even for people that i think were extroverted i mean even david like you said he used to have a lot of people in his house i think after a while you're like what what did i do before yeah. on on friday and there is a little bit of that you, i'm like how how did i do all of that and I'm like I look at old calendars of mine and it's like every evening's got something planned and it's like this last year it's like nothing yeah zoom call yeah zoom so call twice it's like, a week. yeah god gives us grace for where we are yeah. and we we many times we we don't expect or not even sure if it's possible when we're looking at this big behemoth of a thing and then once we get and like we said, it's not over yet, but what we would consider almost to be the other side of this, it's like, wow, we we were able, God was able to bring us through it, and we're still getting through it, we're still figuring it out, and finding new ways to to continue to thrive in this. Yeah, absolutely, that's good. Well, thank you all. Thanks for... Melinda and David, thanks for joining us on the last one a year ago. Thanks for joining on this one. Um, we're glad that um, the baby got to make his premiere debut on <laughs> <Yay>! the podcast. <laughs> so excited. And uh, yeah, this is good. And you know what? Who knows what we didn't know what a year a year ago we didn't know what this moment was going to look like we don't know what a year from now is going to look like so right. so it'll be good thank you everyone who's listening um we really appreciate you uh thank you shelby for sending in a, a question if you all have questions please always send them in we love to hear you guys from you mm-hmm. from you all go to lifeonsidebe.com and mm-hmm. um do that and um, send us your thoughts and questions. If you're interested, go to our patreon.com slash lifeonsidebb to become a patron. We really appreciate and join our little community. And anyway, with that, y'all, we will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye.